immediately turned purple when I w walked in the room and it was showing me Asian landscapes on like, like kind of like an animation of Asian hands. Um, and I was like, why is this room doing this? And they said, oh, it's just showing you things that you find relaxing. It's like, right. it kind of, so there, so this ship kind of responds to the, yeah. ind to the individuals on board the ship. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then they said they had something to do, but they invited me to kind of just wander on my own and, you know, you know, stay on board the ship as long as I wanted to. And I was like, you guys are letting me go, you know, on the ship. And, and you got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, so wonderful to be with you again. I have a galactic goddess on the show with me today. <laughs> Her name is Debbie Solaris. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you for having me. Here I am, you know, playing around with my pen here. So we've been, we've been yakking before I turn the recording on. I know, on. yeah. I'm just like going, we, we've, we've had, we've kind of, we've had so much in common that, you know, it's how, kind of how it is. But um, I was just, you know, Debbie's obviously in the state. Whereabouts in the US are you, Debbie? I'm, I'm right just south of Denver. So nice. I'm in Colorado, just south of Denver in a small city called Castle Rock. Um, oh, beautiful. And there is actually a Castle Rock. There's, um, there's a, a, a kind of a, a rock structure that looks like a castle in the middle of the city. And that's why it's called Castle Rock. It was uh, actually an old railroad town back in the, you know, the, the old West. So, um, yeah. so it, it definitely is a gateway to many different other locations and it feels that way um, sometimes. Yeah, and of course, as people know, I'm in Sydney, Australia, and Debbie was just telling me that when you were younger, you used to live in Sydney. Could you tell us what happened? Yeah, um, I um, I was a military brat, so <laughs> my father was in the U.S. Army, and wow. sometimes he would get some really interesting assignments, and uh, he came home one day and said, oh, we're going to be stationed in Australia, and it, all our, our jaws just dropped because... Uh, we knew there wasn't any military bases in Australia, you know, at least not. Oh, yeah, there are. Right, right. Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, so uh, so we ended up, um, so he was part of a military exchange program where he was instructing the Australian Army um, in engineering techniques. And uh, so we were there for two years. And uh, so I'm very familiar with Sydney. How um, old were you it. when you were down here? Um, I was just for like, a year and a half or I think I think it was like a year and a half or a little little under two years um I actually went to school um at a Catholic school um in just outside of Sydney um in Campbelltown I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah, of Campbelltown. yeah yeah Campbelltown's about about an hour away from me with the highways yeah. it's with the freeways it's really short now it used to be longer but yeah nice um so how old were you when you I were was here? um yeah I was younger I was uh maybe 14 or 15 yeah okay. yeah between 13 14 um yeah probably no I would say 14 or 15 yeah so I was younger um so I was middle school um during that time 
you know, I find this so interesting and in all that we're going to talk about today that you, you know, chose to came, come into a military family and because, um, you know, the military and the secret space program, you know, there's a lot of connection with ETs and oh, yeah, because yeah. uh, I've chatted to my mob about the, the secret space programs because, you know, all the information out there on the web is, is usually about America. And I've said, mm. is that happening down under? And they go, oh, yeah. Do you think that with all that land that you have in Australia, all that desert, that barren land, that they're not going to have these these bases that are so hidden underground and stuff. And there's a big base in the middle of Australia. Um, do you know what it's called? A big military base out there. And there's a lot of ET presence out there. Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm not, I can't, pine, the name escapes Pine, me. Yeah. rock, pine, something. Anyway, yeah. And there's a big um, disc. There was a movie made about it with Sam Neill. There's a big mm. disc out there that had something to do with the moon landing and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, how fascinating to hear. Well, we'll hear a bit more about your um, experiences growing up. Let me read, let me tell people about who you are. Just read a bit of your okay, bio, sure. bio here. So Debbie Solaris is an ET contactee, interdimensional traveler and galactic historian. After a faithful extraterrestrial contact experience in 2012, Debbie awakened to her true star lineage and her higher calling. Through her ancestral connections with the library of all knowledge of this area of the cosmos, often referred to as the Akashic Records, she has been receiving downloads of galactic historical information and universal spiritual knowledge ever since her awakening. Debbie was a host of a radio show as well, uh, called Galactic U Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com from April 2017 to December 2017. Her show, Travelling Through the Stargate, featured newly revealed information on galactic history and the various star races, as well as insights from the Akashic Records and the higher dimensional realms. You know, I want to get into the star races because I just love it. It's fascinating. Oh, yeah, we all love those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about your awakening. Before 2012, did you have any awareness of who you were, like all that time with your father? In the So you were just like normal kid, normal. I was normal. a normal kid, you know, lived an ordinary life, you know, just... Uh, I joined the military myself, so I'm actually a Navy wow. veteran. Okay, wow. so I, I was in the military for six years. Um, worked mostly as a hospital corpsman slash environmental um, specialist uh, for, um, you know, four of those six years. But, um, and most of my, I think, duty stations was actually Westpac. So it was California and Hawaii. So that's where I met, spent, spent most of my time when I was in the military predominantly Hawaii, I was stationed at Pearl Harbor. So, um, so I did get to travel, you know, a little bit um, in, you know, the West Pacific. Uh, so sometimes I would, you know, we would do um, missions in uh, Japan or Guam or, you know, or even uh, Thailand. So, um, so, so it was, um, it was, it was pretty, um, pretty eventful, pretty happening. Um, it was funny because I never wanted to be stationed in Hawaii, but once I was there, I felt like I had returned home, you know, like it wow. was, yeah, it was very, um, uh, it, I don't know, there was something about um, the energies in Hawaii, um, and I found out later it was because I had a Lemurian life, you know, and ah. of course, Hawaii is a remnant of Lemuria, but um, but yeah, actually, my life was very ordinary. Um, I didn't, 
really um, have an interest in the paranormal. I didn't have an interest in UFOs. I didn't really get introduced to UFOs until I started dating um, my now husband, who um, he was a paranormal ufologist. He was, you know, he would follow, he was following it for years. And I started dating him and I was like, what is this weird stuff he's reading about with all this UFO stuff, you know? And I was like reading his, you know, his magazines. I think he, he used to get a magazine called UFO Magazine. I mean, it wasn't a really original title, but it was all about <laughs> UFOs, you know? So, so I was like, what's this weird stuff he's reading about? And um, and if you were to meet my husband, he seems like such a straight guy, you know, I mean, he's just like, like, you know, Mr. You know, you know, not into anything, you know, weird, but, um, but he was really into this. And so I would read the articles and I was like, hmm, you know, maybe there is something to this UFO stuff, but. So this is before 2012. This was way before 2012. Okay. Okay. Yeah, way before he's because I started dating him, I think around 2002. So, right, um, right. yeah, so this was like way before. And he was, so he was into this stuff, like even back, back then. Um, uh, so I had a mild curiosity about it, but I didn't really, um, you know, I think hold much stock into it. I just thought, you know, well, you know, I'm kind of skeptical. I don't know if this really exists. Um, and it was just because it was not anything that it was ever talked about in my family. So my family, I mean, they just weren't interested in these kind of topics, you know, yeah. so we never talked about it. Right. Um, and so it was, you know, totally new to me. Um, and then eventually, you know, to kind of speed things up here, you know, I, I did, once I had my own experiences, that was when I really became awakened. Right. Yeah. Look, it's not talked about most families, I suppose. I don't know. As a kid, there were things like the Jetsons and cartoons, which yeah, exactly. and there's, yeah. Hollywood is always depicting aliens as coming to kill us. Yeah. So we've been conditioned uh, to either think it's crazy or frightening. So we're not exactly. chatting about it. You know, we're chatting about other things like what are we going to eat? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, and I come from an Italian family. So it was always about what we're going to eat. Yeah. Yeah. It was always about food. Yeah. Both so. Jewish families, Italian families, most families like food, food. Anyway. Um, so what happened in 2012 to, to spark this away? That changed everything. Um, well, uh, um, I, I had a great concern for the condition of our planet. Um, I was one of these people that I think I was starting like on the periphery level of awakening because I was starting to question things. I was starting to have like, you know, well, why are things the way they are? And why are things so bad here on earth? Why is there so much suffering? So these, these were things I thought about a lot and, uh, mm. And I, and I, even back then I thought there has to be a better way, you know, there has right. to be something better out there than this, you know, mundane existence, um, where animals are suffering, the environment is suffering, people are suffering. And so one fateful evening, I guess I had, a, you know, I was not able to sleep and I just was thinking about things, you know, like I always do, I always had stuff going on in my head. And I was thinking about, you know, I think we need help here on earth. I, I think I'm gonna send a prayer out to the universe. I'm gonna send this big prayer out to the universe that, 
um, that we need help. Um, so I was, I was asking for help from the Ascended Masters, Jesus, the angelic realm, you know, Mother Mary, you know, every like higher divine being I could think of. And then I thought, well, I might, I might as well throw in galactic brothers and sisters because I don't know if they're real, but who knows, maybe they're listening, you know? So, so I was just sending this really earnest prayer out to the universe that I was actually asking for help for the planet. And, I, and it was a really sincere prayer. Um, I really wanted things to be better here than, and I was concerned about the environment, the economics and the animals, um, you know, people, especially, you know, children and um, elderly people and, you know, people that are impoverished, you know, the, the starving kids in Africa, I mean, everybody, you know, so, uh, so I just felt like things could be a lot better. And uh, so I sent this prayer out and I thought, okay, maybe something will happen. I don't know. Well, two weeks went by, nothing happened, you know, had to go back to work, you know, things were pretty, you know, mundane. And I thought, oh, well, so just another prayer, you know, that went unanswered. And uh, so this was in May of 2012 when I had the prayer. About two weeks after that, it was um, June, the first week of June. And I had a little bit of a minor back surgery because I had some some pain issues. And uh, that's very, also very spiritually oriented, I think, uh, when you have lower back issues, um, indicates feeling of lack of support, you know, so. Uh, so I had some, um, it was a laser surgery, so it wasn't super invasive, but, um, so I was recovering from that. And, uh, um, and I went to sleep and I found, when I came to consciousness, I found myself in a different reality. Like wow. all of a sudden I was in some sort of different consciousness because everything looked so much crisper, clearer. It was like, like it, was, it was reality, but it was like a hyper reality. It was like the colors were brighter, the details were, were sharper. I've never seen reality like that. I mean, it was like beyond like a 3D movie. I mean, it was just even more real than that. Um, and I was looking around, I, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't think I'm on earth, you know? I don't, uh, this doesn't look like earth. Um, and as I looked around, I realized I was in the interior of a starship. Wow. I don't know how I knew that, but. So when you say you woke up, so you've gone into an operation, obviously you've lost consciousness as you do when you go under, and then you've awakened thinking that you're about to wake up in a hospital room. And you no, actually, out. I was at home. I was oh, at home. Oh, you were at home. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this was like several days after my surgery. So I was at home. Oh, so you went to sleep and then awakened when you. Yeah, no, I was, um, I was actually, I did go to sleep. Um, yeah. It was a few days after my surgery. Right. And I did go to sleep. And when I came back to consciousness, I was like, okay, I'm not in my bed. You know, I'm not in my room. I'm in the interior of a starship. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. Then what happened? I kind of looked around and I thought, okay, this looks like a starship, but it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen in Star Trek or Star Wars. Cause I was big fans of those movies, but, um, 
so it looked really organic and it looked like it was made of light. Like everything was kind of plasma. It was some sort of technology I'd never seen before and light. And I was, the, the ship seemed to have its own intelligence or its own sentience because uh, it was kind of reading my thoughts and directing me energetically towards a certain space. So I was kind of just following along. And so I walked for a little while and then I found myself in this really large room. Um, and I saw there was extraterrestrial beings in this room. Um, there was about four or five of them. Um, it's a small group of them. Uh, and when I, I looked at them, I thought, wow, do, those do not look like great aliens. <laughs> you know, they don't, they do not, they don't look like Nordics or, you know, cause I, I, you know, I read the articles from my, you know, partner, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, so I yeah. knew what those beings were. Uh, they don't look like Nordics and they don't look like gray aliens. What, who are these beings? Uh, they, they were small and they had larger heads, um, but their features didn't look like gray alien features. Uh, and they had humongous auras. So it was really difficult to look at them directly. I had to kind of look at them sometimes through the periphery because if you try to look at them directly, they were just so bright that I couldn't really see them that well. And uh, they had larger eyes. They had pupils and irises, unlike great aliens, where this looks like you know, black eyes. Um, it looked like they had a little bit more refined features, you know, a little bit more humanoid, but um, very beautiful beings. I mean, very, they just emit this loving energy, this great love, this great acceptance to where any kind of, even if you thought about being in fear, you're not going to stay in fear because uh, their energies are just so immense. It's just so, and the, the auras had colors I've never even seen before. It was amazing. I was just like, um, these are color spectrums. We don't see, you know, we don't, I don't know what dimension I'm in, but I don't usually see these kind of colors and, you know, on earth, you know, so, um, so I was formulating some questions to ask them because I was kind of wondering like, well, where am I at? What is this? You know, who are these beings? And even before I was able to, to complete my thoughts, they would answer my questions. So they were obviously picking up my thoughts, you know, through telepathy. And, and I was surprised that I was able to communicate with them because I, I didn't know if they knew English, you know, that's my primary language. Um, and, uh, and I think they were speaking to me in English. I mean, um, either that, or maybe when you're speaking in telepathy, it transcends, you know, all languages, but, um, but they were answering my questions. So they said, you know, you're, we're, we're Arcturians, we're from Arcturus. Um, Arcturus is a, a, the biggest star in the constellation of Bodes. And they even had this hologram where they were illustrating what they were talking about. And, uh, and you're on board one of our starships that's in, um, in a location between Jupiter and the asteroid belt in, in this solar system. And so they showed me where that was. And I was like, wow, this is pretty crazy, you know? And, and then I asked, why am I here? Like, why, why me? You know, you know, I'm a nobody, you know, I'm not, you know, anybody influential. And, and 
And they say, well, you're part of our family. They said, don't you remember? Um, you're part of our family and you've agreed to take on this earth, earth project. And, and they, they understood that, you know, I'd gone through the veil of forgetfulness, I'd forgotten, you know, so they kind of reminded me of my mission. Um, and they also told me that they had heard my prayer, that, cool. that they, they heard my prayer and they thought, you know, um, it's, you know, I think she's ready. Let's bring her on board and uh, kind of let her know what's really happening on earth. And I had a lot of questions. I think I was there in that orientation room. They called it the orientation room. Mm -hmm. So um, I was there for a while mm. and they were speaking to me telepathically and also illustrating their concepts with this kind of simulated holographic reality where it seemed like I was in um, kind of like seeing things that they were illustrating. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes I was able to even kind of halfway experience it. So it was really, um, it was kind of like playing a virtual reality game. It was, Absolutely. yeah, it was really, really pretty, pretty amazing technology. Uh, I've heard this from so many people uh, who've had a, a sim, you know, like experiences with extra dimensionals, extraterrestrials, this, yeah. this holographic, like we look at a screen, but when they show you stuff, it's yeah, it's like three. It's, it's like, like you're immersed in it. You're, you're in, in it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're in it. Yeah. yeah. You're immersed in it. So, yeah. so if they're showing you like say this futuristic city, you're walking through the city. Right. You're, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, if there's like houses, you're going inside the houses. So yeah. that's how, that's how realistic the hologram is. And, yeah. um, and it was like when they were showing me, you know, the star map, it was like I was floating out in, you know, Spice. you know, looking at the stars, you know, it was really amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and, and they basically told me over and over again that everything that I, I was experiencing on earth was a, an illusion. Yeah. And that it wasn't real. It was just a kind of a false matrix reality. Part of the hologram, part of yeah, the hologram. Part of, a, part of a weird, uh, very, very um, negatively oriented hologram. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it was, and I didn't quite understand them because I, I was thinking, gosh, it seems really real to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, but they said it like five times, like, this is just an illusion. This is just an illusion. So, so since they were emphasizing that word so much, I figured it was an important word for me to remember. Um, right. And uh, I kept asking them about what's the future of earth? You know, are we gonna have a beautiful future or are we gonna, are we heading towards destruction? And, and they were basically saying it was our choice, you know, that I chose to be part of this game, you know, this part of this, this earth ascension simulation, if you wanna call it that. And, uh, and they said it was basically our choice, but then they showed me, well, this is the possibilities, okay? So they showed me future earth and I would, my jaw just dropped. I was just like, I have never seen anything like this. Uh, so they were showing beautiful homes that were integrated into the environment to where you couldn't even tell it was a home until you came upon it. Um, uh, so it was, it was really well integrated into the trees, into the environment. Um, they also showed me 
that most of these homes or probably all of them were, um, were powered by free energy devices. And they kind of look like an octagon. I don't know, it was really kind of cool. Um, and uh, they showed me that everybody kind of grew their own food. So everybody had their own kind of uh, little greenhouses that were a part of the house, okay? Um, and everybody shared food, so there was no food shortage. Um, it was just, you know, maybe somebody had more potatoes and this person and you just shared the potatoes, you know. Um, uh, there was no roadways, no, um, no cars. Um, people at, in, in this reality were able to teleport themselves to where they wanted to go. Um, I think they did have some re recreational vehicles. I think a lot of us still love to, you know, tool around in motorcycles or, or holog um, or uh, you know, hovercrafts. But um, but it was and everything was beautiful. It was green. Um, there was a lot of trees, animals. I mean, it was just so well integrated. Smaller communities. You didn't see the massive big cities like you do today. Right. Um, and it was, and I started crying because I, I couldn't believe that this is what we, we had to look forward to. Can and I, I kept say, asking the Arcturians, is this for rich people? And they said, right. no, it's for everybody. It's not just for, everybody gets to have this, not just, um, they knew I was conditioned to believe only rich people have right. good things on earth. Um, right. And they were like, oh, no, this is for everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, what status you are. There is no status, you know, in this reality. So, um, yeah. Can I ask how far into the future was that? Is that? I'm right. It's a, is that? Um, they didn't really say. Um, no. Did you get a sense? Like it's um, not imminent. It's not in 20, 30, 50 years. What is no, it? No, I kind of thought that it was more like 50 to 100 years, maybe. Okay. Um, so not too far out. Not too far. No, so it wasn't like 500 or 1,000 years in the future. Right. It was more like maybe 50, 100 years. Um, I got the sense that it was something that was possible in our lifetimes. Okay. Right. Um, you know, so, so maybe not my lifetime, but maybe, you know, the younger people's lifetimes. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I do think think? we're going to see the beginnings of it. Even I think in, we are seeing the beginnings of it of, very yeah. clumsily, clumsily. We're trying to create that, you know, here in no, Australia. I think this, the consciousness has shifted so much, you yeah. know, the collective consciousness to where, people want to have that reality. They, they want to see that. Um, so, so I do think we're going to manifest it. It just may not be as fast as we would like it. Right. But, um, you but, know, I see communities here coming together, trying to create some sort of utopian type lifestyle, but then everyone's ego gets in the way and everyone's fighting with each other. I know. Like, yeah. Do it this way. No, do it that way. And they all disband. I just see that over and over and over again. So that's why I think we're clumsily trying to create. We have the technology to create what you've said, but we yeah. don't have the, the like the, Emotion, the consciousness isn't consciousness quite there yet. yet exactly exactly yeah yeah it, in order to create that kind of reality and have it be successful you know people are going to have to be in the 5d mindset that's right. just how it is yeah. um you know it's not going to be like 
oh, you, you can't be your old selfish, you know, self-centric right. self and uh, have that kind of reality because it's wow. not going to work. Um, right. Because we're, we're all going to have to be um, uh, really embodying, you know, that love consciousness, you know, that that willingness to really be um, sharing and uh, and be open-hearted to every everybody within this reality. So yeah, um, a, a unity consciousness. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What I'm doing, I do for yeah. all, not just for me. Instead of this, the the me consciousness, it's the we. Oh, it gives me shivers. You know, I'm involved in a event here in Australia called Unity Fest, and we're going out into the into the forest to sort of sing and dance and pray and create more unity amongst the collective. And yeah, um, yeah it's that unity consciousness which which those beings so embody so okay what happened next this is fascinating I oh no it's, it's it's yeah it's a great story i i've told it a million times i never get tired of telling it because it's a great story and it helps me to relive it so that's why i don't mind talking yeah, about yeah. it but um but yeah I, um the arcturians kind of showed me around the ship so mm -hmm. They showed me the different spaces on board the ship. And the one that I remembered the most was what they called the sleeping room. Because when I walked in, uh, first of all, they said, this is the sleeping room. And I thought, where's the beds? I don't see any beds. And then um, the room immediately turned purple when I walked in the room. And it was showing me Asian landscapes on like, like kind of like an animation of Asian. Ans um, and I was like, why is this room doing this? And they said, oh, it's just showing you things that you find relaxing. It's like, right. it kind of, so the, so this ship kind of responds to the, yeah. ind, to the individuals on board the ship. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then they said they had something to do, but they invited me to kind of just wander on my own and, you know, you know, stay on board the ship as long as I wanted to. And I was like, you guys are letting me go, you know, on the ship. And, and they were like, oh yeah, you can handle it. Yeah, it's, you know. Um, and so, so I was kind of wandering a little bit and I found myself in the center point of the ship, which was a huge atrium like space. Um, the ship was really huge. It was city sized. So it was like yeah. the size of a small city. It right. was, it was huge. Um, so there wasn't just Arcturians on the ship, there was um, representatives from many different star races. Mm -hmm. So there was hundreds of extraterrestrial beings on board the ship. And mm -hmm. most of them were kind of gathering up, you know, they were meeting in individual groups or, you know, going from one location to another, you know, so the atrium was kind of like the central point. And it had several levels, it was quite organic. Um, there was actually quite a bit of plant life on board the ship. There was even what looked like small birds flying around. Um, it was very, very beautiful. Um, and there was, and it was huge. So there was varying levels. So you would see like people on the top level and then there was beings on the second level and on the third level. And uh, I noticed that there were light shafts that were taking these beings from one end of the atrium to another. I called them the light escalators, but they weren't really escalators. So they weren't mechanical in any means. It was just like a shaft of light. Because the beings, the way that you describe them, are more 
you know, their subtle energy, their energy, their energy, they're like light energy, which is like, who yeah, they were, um, they looked humanoid. I was really surprised. I would say the majority of them, there might've been some non-humanoid ones, but right. the majority of them look like varying depictions of humanoid beings. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would look at some and I would say, oh, those must be Syrians. And I don't mm-hmm. even know how I knew they were Syrians. Um, or there's some Pleiadians or there's some Andromedan looking people. Um, and and so they looked mostly humanoid and they were all kind of going about their business, kind of you know going from here to there or they were meeting in groups or, um, and some of them were traveling on the light shaft. Um, the light shaft looked like rainbow it looked like a like a stream of rainbow mm-hmm. and uh the beings would just step on the light shaft and it would transport them from one end of the room to the other and so I weird. Thought, yeah you thought what? Cool. it was kind of cool but kind of weird like but no as you speak about it it just feels so familiar to me it's like yeah. i totally yeah. get it like i'm there i can feel it happening i can see it it's just like yeah yeah that's the way we do it yeah, yeah. it's so yeah, weird. It, it was it, but and it was like you know sometimes there'd be like just one or two of them on on one shaft and then there'd be like maybe it was usually like one or two or three it wasn't like a whole bunch of them on the shaft um but um, so I was kind of wondering about that, like, how come they're not like a bunch of them on the shaft, you know, <laughs> but, um, and I think it's, uh, I, I understood why later, but I thought, well, well, I need to get on one of these things. So, um, so I kept stepping on one of the light shafts and it was throwing me off. Oh, it was like throwing me off. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Why is it not let, why is it letting those other beings on there? But why is it not letting me? And like the third or fourth time I got thrown off, um, there was a Pleiadian being, I think he was Pleiadian. I mean, he didn't ever told me, but he looked very Pleiadian. Um, he, you know, he, he telepathically told me, oh, you're not doing it correctly. Let me, let me, sh- let me, let me tell you how to do it. And I said, oh, okay. Um, he kind of caught me cause I, cause it kind of like springs you off of there. It's like it's pretty, it's pretty abrupt. Um, so uh, so he said, you need to think about where you want to go first. Ah. So, so you need to have that, you need to set an intention of where exactly you want to go to. So you need to be very direct yeah. and then, then step on the shaft and then it will take you where you want to go. Um, so it was all the, the, it was the energy of, of setting intention, you know, so you had to set that intention, but, um, so I stepped on the light shaft and, and then, you know, after I thought about exactly where I wanted to go and on the other side of the atrium yeah. and it transported me and I was so excited. I was just like, holy cow, I'm going, I'm going on the light shaft. And then, and then boom, it's like, I woke up and I was back in my bed at, <gasps> in, on planet earth. And I was like, oh, darn it. I never made it across, you know, and I was like, like, oh, you know, I was like, why did I, why did I come back now? Um, but I remember when I woke up that morning, I felt so excited. I just felt like more energy than I've felt in a very long time. Yeah. I was so super excited. I just felt like, wow, there's hope for this planet. There's hope yeah. for me. There's hope for everybody, you know? So I was so, so excited. And of course, the first person I told was my husband. Yeah. You know, so I told him. You know, what did what he happened. think about it? 
he thought I was making it up or he, right. he didn't believe me. I, yeah, see, he thought he thought I was having a crazy dream. A crazy I was like, oh, dream. No, this wasn't a dream. It was no, it was not a dream. Um, and I think now that you know he's heard me tell the story, you know, quite a few times. Now he believes that something really happened, but yeah. um, but, uh, I, I but there's really you, no explanation. Yeah. When you look down at your body when you're on the ship, were you in your human form? Was it an astral representation of your human form? Was it? Yes, your, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I even, look like myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause I've been in the astral with some, you know, dead friends. And I remember my girlfriend who committed suicide many years ago, 20 years ago, when I was with her in an astral form, cause I knew I wasn't in my physical body cause I knew my physical body was asleep in bed. Yeah. There was, there was density to her. You know, I could feel her, I could touch her. And I remember thinking, I'm in a spiritual body, like I'm in a, you know, an energy body and yet I'm experiencing it as, as if I'm in a physical body. So I know the density to, yes. Yeah. Yeah, It felt like, like, I didn't feel like I was this amorphous, you know, light energy. I I, I actually felt like myself. I felt, I looked, when I looked at my hands, it looked like my hands. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I was probably yep. still wearing my pajamas. I mean, because you know, obviously, this was happening at you know when, when I was in dream time. But yeah, um, but I, I just looked like myself, you know. Yeah. So there was some form, you know, some some dense form to me physically, and even to the beings that I was encountering because. Yeah they looked like they had some level of density. The beings that looked like they had the least density was the Arcturians. They were the ones that they kind of phased in and out a little bit. I kind of had a feeling like they were pulling down their frequency Mm -hmm. to even be on the ship with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was kind of interesting how they said, oh, we got something to do here, you know, have free reign of the ship. And I was like, really? You know, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here, you know, but in but, your wanderings around the ship, did you see any other humans that looked, you know, like you that were having, uh, you know, aspects of their human on the ship? Aspects. Of I didn't human? notice that. You didn't I, notice I think that. It was, right. um, I, I don't know. I, they, they did mention when I was in the holographic room, the you know, orientation room, that they do get other Earth visitors. Um, right. You know, so it's not like I'm the only one that they pulled off from planet Earth, but um, but I don't know if they do like several at a time or if they do them one by one. Um, but uh, but I didn't notice any other any other Earth humans. It was all extraterrestrials um, when I was there. So there is there an aspect of you, Debbie, that lives you know in another lifetime in another dimensional aspect of you that lives oh, on I think that there's many aspects of me and yeah but multiple. yeah there, well there's yeah. multiple but is there a specific act because when they said you know have a wonder you know what to do I just figured that they're connecting to the aspect of you that like hangs out there that lives there that's a part oh, of yeah that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if I go there um um astro you know astro travel there you know periodically um it, it seemed like somehow that even though it was new to my consciousness, like somehow I knew where everything was. I don't know yeah, how to explain it. Was familiar. It. Mm. Yeah, it seemed somewhat seemed seemed familiar to me. Um, because I wasn't afraid of anything. It wasn't like like you go to a weird place and you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, what is this place? Where do I go? You don't feel that sense of panic, you know, yeah. like when you're like sometimes when I'm in the airports, sometimes you're like, holy cow, where do I go from here? You know. Right. Um, 
Uh, it didn't feel like that at all. It just felt like, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm here in this really cool place. Um, and uh, so, yeah, no, I think there was, there is an aspect of myself that probably is always on board the ship. Right. Um, and I think that aspect of myself is probably in the sleeping room. Um, I don't know why, because they made it a point to show me the sleeping room. So yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. So I think there is, you know, like an aspect of myself that is probably maybe um, in a pod in the sleeping room while, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing out my earth avatar self here, you know, um, which you see, you know, kind of simulations of that in some of the Star Trek movies mm -hmm. and also in um, Avatar, you know, where they kind of went into a pod and there was an aspect of themselves in the pod, but then they were experiencing another reality and, you know, another, another dimension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's yeah. different with you. I'm, I'm getting a sense of that you're actually active and awake there as well as being active and awake here but there oh is yeah that, yeah there is that dual soul like Susie Hansen talks about that dual soul connection so um so many people that I've spoken to on the show who have had ET lives have elected to have a human life from the experience of their of their ET life so rather than being a spirit and saying yep give me some of that human stuff they're yeah. an ET and they say right I'm going to kind of elect to do the human experience. So there's this dual soul. There is a connection between the ET life and the human life because that's where the decision came from. Uh, it yeah, came from the, yeah, it's so fascinating. I love this stuff. Oh, yeah. No, it's so, so much fun to kind of uh, explore the possibilities of what's coming. Yeah, coming for us here on Earth, you know, totally. that um, because the Arcturians they say that they're kind of like the prototypes for what earth is eventually going to become like. And I think, right. Oh God, earth's got a long way to go. You know? Yeah. That's what I think. Too. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I was like, you know, was like, yeah. you know it ain't going to happen anytime real soon. Okay. Right. But, um, but, but, you know, I see the possibilities just with the technology for planet earth. And I'm thinking, Oh, Holy crap, this is going to be fantastic. You know, it's going to be really, really fantastic. Uh, you know, to have yeah. these type of technologies and, and to be able to expand, you know, out of our 3D dense existence, you know, so. Yeah, um, technology, like anything, it depends on the consciousness that's using it. So the internet, yeah, exactly. you, you can use it to do what we're doing to spread this awareness and, and spiritual messages, or you can use yeah. it to, you know, um, bully people at school. I mean, you know, like, that's what I had this argument with my brother years ago about Facebook that there was so much negative stuff about kids being bullied on Facebook. And I said, Facebook is just a technology, depends on the people using it. Everyone on my Facebook page, thousands of you, you're all amazing light workers that are singing love and light. So for me, it's yeah. a very positive experience. So I'm not seeing bullying and hatred and judgment like other people. So it just depends. Yeah. And that's why I feel it's so important that we've got to work on our consciousness. Um, even above the technology that's racing ahead. Anyway, go on with your story. So when you woke up. When I woke up, I, I, I would say it took me a while. It took me several years to process what happened to me. Um, I wasn't really open with a lot of people about what happened because I was afraid to be ridiculed. And Absolutely. yeah, and you know, I thought, you know, people think I'm crazy and, you know, try to put me on some antidepressant or, you know, right. Um, antipsychotic drugs or something, but, right. um, but I, I kept a story to myself. Um, 
I did notice that something did change. It was like um, all of a sudden I was, and I never saw UFOs in my life. I was seeing UFOs all the time. Uh, I was interdimensionally traveling to other dimensions, even during my waking time. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was picking up on people's thoughts. I was downloading massive information about galactic historical events from, I, I'm guessing the Akashic records, but um, uh, I mean, I was just having massive downloads. Um, um, sometimes it was like I was able to pick up on people's thoughts, which was really bizarre. You know, it's just a kind of a crazy, a crazy thing that happens. Um, and I was picking up random information about people, like, um, like just information about their past lives or their lineage or, um, or even little tidbits of information about their family, you know, their ancestral, you know, lineage. I mean, it was just kind of really interesting. And this was happening so much that it was getting more and more difficult for me to work my 3D job. It was just like, I was being so bombarded with all this, you know, um, interdimensional experiences that, Information, yeah. yeah, that I, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do my 3d job for much, much longer. What um, was your 3d job at that time? Um, I used to work for, um, the, the public health department. So I worked okay. for, um, for local government, um, okay. And I was an environmental specialist. Uh, so I would go around and do, you know, various different types of inspections and things like that. And um, so I wasn't always stuck in an office. I was, you know, more out and about in the field, but, um, but it was getting really difficult. Like, you know, even to, you know, to, to get my job done, you know, yeah. because it was so much going on and, what was weird is that, you know, I, sometimes I would, you know, inspect schools or I inspect daycares and uh, people would just want to come up and hug me, you know, and I was like, <laughs> like, you know, why are they hugging me, you know, because I'm so kind cool. of a regulatory, but they felt, they felt the vibration, you know, just yeah, the yeah. positive vibration. And totally. so, I, so I knew what was happening, but I was just kind of like, like, why are they hugging me all, you know, they, they just wanted to hang, hang, hang around me or have me hang around. I was like, oh, I got to get going, you know, can't stay. But, um, so I was having a lot of really strange experiences and, uh, the, the strangest was probably the interactions with UFOs that not only was I seeing them, I was actually able to telepathically communicate with some of the UFOs that, um, that you know they they were having they were communicating with me and I was communicating with them and uh, um, and so I I knew that I had changed you know I knew that I was not the same person um, I took I started taking a lot of spiritual classes so this was between 2012 and 2015 2015 uh, was when I finally went public with my story. Um, so, you know, so like I said, I kind of had to process for a while what was going on and, um, and the spiritual classes really helped. It really helped give me like a frame of reference to describe to myself what was, or understand to myself what was happening. And, uh, and then I felt like, you know, there's a reason why I was brought on board the ship. I'm supposed to do something really important. You know, I'm supposed to be 
um, sharing this information. And uh, um, I, I took Akashic Records reading course. Um, actually here in Castle Rock, there was um, a, a Reiki master that taught it. Um, it was right in downtown Castle Rock. And uh, uh, took the course, um, decided I was gonna be of service. You know, I was gonna be of service to, the, to humanity and uh, went public with my story, um, ended up teaching classes um, throughout the front range of Colorado. Um, so it'd be all the major cities. Um, and, uh, and then it kind of led me to what I'm doing now, I guess. So um, yeah. Yeah, at some point, the, yeah, at some point, the information flowing through you is just so intense and so drawing your attention. You can't ignore it anymore, right? Like you said, you couldn't. Yeah, do it's like, you know, job. it's like, yeah, it's kind of like you get these downloads and it's like, why am I getting these downloads? I've yeah. never learned this, this information from, you know, you know, earth school or an earth school and never right. learned this. Um, I'm supposed to do something with it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we're given this information to share. It's not just for us. So yeah, exactly. And so, then, then comes the next step of how do I share that, you know, and then all our insecurities come out. People think I'm crazy. Maybe I look too old. Maybe I look too fat. Maybe I look too thin, you know, all that stuff. Like when you put yourself oh, out yeah, there, no, I went through all that too. Yeah. You know, the, it had the imposter syndrome where I right. felt like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like, well, maybe people will just think I'm, I'm crazy and they won't believe anything I, I, I say. And uh, I was really surprised when I went public with my story, it was in Denver. Um, it was at um, a couple of um, spiritual meetups and, uh, it, and I, I was surprised at how receptive people were to my story. Nobody thought I was crazy. They, I... they just thought it was a fantastic story. Mm -hmm. And uh I, I thought like, wow, okay, people really, really like this information. And so I developed a, a class on star races and galactic history that I taught between 2015 and 2018. I taught this course for about three years in, you know, Colorado, just physically teaching it. Um, and people were just blown away by the information. They've never heard this, you know, type of information before. And uh, and and even just the way I put it together, you know, the way I formatted the information. But yeah. um, so then it just kind of like my popularity grew from there. Right. And uh, and then now, you know, I was just last year I was invited to be on Gaia. You know, so I I was on the Beyond Belief show. So. Well, I, I know. I think that's where I found you. I found you on George Norrie's show, and yeah. I just you looked so nervous. <laughs> you know, but I I was nervous. I was. Super I just nervous. thought, yeah. wow, you know, like this girl's got it going on, or this woman, uh, and uh, I think George was the one that that equated you to Matthias Di Stefano. The Mate young, Matthias, yeah. Matthias yeah. and uh, Di, Di Stefano, however he says his name, but uh, who is another galactic, it's amazing, you know, the access. Because I've always sort of asked my mob, my guides, you know, what is the, how is it that we forget? You know, what's the, what's the mechanics of it like that we can yeah. be these enormous beings of unlimited potential and we come into this earth experience and we have right. this forgetfulness like how does that work so when you see someone like Matthias and yourself who then opens to the availability of access to this enormous body of 
knowledge and information and history um you know something's changed inside yeah there's right? something that de definitely yeah, something going uh, yeah i think matthias has been like that all his life so right. that, um but uh with me it just kind of like it just like i got activated and it turned on and then right. it was like massive information coming in massive i was just they're saying and, and you end up doing like a lot of research i think it's in your dna it. they say it's in your dna they turn off components of the dna and then you reactivate components of the dna they're just yeah showing, maybe that's what it is yeah, yeah they're just showing me and so there's one of the things the arturians told me was that i have an ancestral connection to the akashic records and i didn't even understand what they were talking about at the time now i do looking back on it but yeah. um and they said that I came from a long line of Arcturian um, scientists, um, uh, historians, and ambassadors. And I thought, right. wow, that sounds pretty impressive, you know. But yeah. um, but now I understand what they mean, you know. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, now I understand, you know, the genetic components of what what just happened to me. And yeah. uh, so the information was always there. It was just had to be activated. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So when you look at somebody, obviously you turn it on or off because you can't be on all the time, like just receiving yeah, yeah, all this exactly. information about people. This yeah. is what people yeah, ask about. It gets really exhausting. Psychics. Yeah. yeah. They've asked me that too. You know, are you out there seeing everyone's mobs and, you know, their guides and dead relatives and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, no, for the most part, no. I, I just yeah. have an intention to be of service and then the information comes. So that's the yeah. same for you. Like just, yeah, just, it is. Yeah. Right. Right, just yeah, I can't have it on all the time because obviously I want to live my 3D life and yeah, you know, yeah. go go to the grocery store without being in, you know bombarded with everybody's you know uh, information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so because I don't really care to do that. Yeah, I got that lesson the hard way. Um, it was, um, I think it was like six months after I had my ET contact experience. I was out working. I was in downtown Colorado Springs, and I went to a Starbucks. Um, I don't know, maybe I was just there to get a cup of coffee or something, but I, and it was, you know, it was in downtown Colorado Springs, a very busy Starbucks. And I was bombarded reading everybody's thoughts. I knew right. what everybody was thinking. And there was right. about maybe 50, 60 people in that. It was a pretty big Starbucks. So it was like 50, 60 people in that Starbucks. And I was like, holy cow, I, like, like, and I was really, I think what was hard about that mostly was that a lot of people have very negative thoughts. Oh, yes. It very, <laughs> I mean, it was negative about themselves, negative about their yep. families, negative about their workplace or things or their yep, boss. The coffee's or, not hot enough. The waiter's yeah, rude, you know. Or, yeah, it was just yeah. really negative. And I was like, oh, I can't take this. I can't take this. And so I ran out of the Starbucks and as I was passing people down the, you know, downtown, I was picking up on their thoughts as I was passing them. And I said, oh my God, I got to shut this down. I can't, right. I can't. Yeah. I so, so yeah, you don't want to be in that mode because it would be, it would drive you crazy. It's, um, I, I experienced the same thing, Debbie, in my thirties, yeah. I'd go to the supermarket. Not only could I read everyone's thoughts, I could read all the thoughts behind all the packaging. It's like, I just had access to so much information and I just go into overload. I'd be in, I, I just drop my basket and run home and just rock for a while. Cause I just, I couldn't handle it. You know, you just expand so much and then you've got to kind of come back and, get a handle on this energy and have some sort of control over it yeah oh yeah um 
And the way my Akashic teacher described it is um, when you're getting like a bombardment of information, you want to imagine like a imaginary dial uh -huh. and just dial down. So right. just dial. So it'll be a steady stream instead of just like, you know, like a plethora of, you know, you know, of information, just like an onrush of information coming through. So, um, um, but yeah, that is, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, it is that I have to, I have to turn it on. Yeah. And one, yeah. So, so let, let's say if I'm doing, you know, a reading for somebody like I did with George and the, yeah, you, you know, did with George. George yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. How did he, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. You, what did um, he say about like, after you turn off the cameras, what did he say about your reading? Did he like speak to you about um, it? He was pretty busy. So he's, oh. he's a busy guy. So mm -hmm. yeah, you know, he was, um, he didn't really say like, Oh, wow. You know, I loved the reading or, Oh, I hated the reading. I right. mean, he just kind of like got out of his chair and went to talk to the producers and, you know, so he's kind of a busy guy. So, um, <laughs> But I, I think he liked it. I think uh, he was amazed by the information you heard. And I think it, he connected with it on some level. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably had many readings like that over the years. But uh, I think, you know, the thing about George is he knows who he is, but he does, he does play, he does ask the most sort of inane questions. It's like he's, he's playing to an audience that knows nothing. That's what I feel like. Yeah, exactly. So he, yeah, so he asks these silly questions that it was sort of obvious, but I, I just figure... So he's expecting the people to be watching this. They just know nothing. That's what I think. But anyway. Yeah, uh, my experience with George was very different than my experience with uh, Regina Meredith. So I just right. taped uh, a show um, on Open Mind. So that, that one hasn't been aired yet. It's going to be aired probably, I'm thinking, possibly April or May. Right. I, I, you know, yeah. It takes them a while to produce the shows. And, and then yeah. they, have, they, have, you know, they have like a whole um release calendar you know so yeah, yeah. so when you go in and tape a show at Gaia it, you're not the only person there's like they do like uh three or four shows a day you know mm -hmm. so um uh so Regina asked very complex questions uh, she really did her research and I, I really, um, although I loved George, I loved working with him. I actually enjoyed being with Regina because she mm -hmm. asked those really hard questions. And I could tell that she really took the time to go through all the material that, you know, I produced, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, so to me, it was almost like, I think that's going to be a better show than even, you know, even though the, you know, Beyond Belief was great. But, well, um, you were quite different because it was a while ago and uh, we were discussing this before I turned the camera on, you know, you had, a, you'd lost, you've lost 60 pounds since then. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd like to get into, but maybe later because, you know, I've just finished a show with Lois Hollis about, you know, the light workers and, and how to be, you know, heal the healers, how when you are connected to your galactic roots or when, even when you're in the complete forgetfulness you still have this not feeling comfort or safe or at home on earth. And, oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then you use food for comfort or um, yeah. So there's, I know a lot of empaths and psychics who carry a lot of weight. So yeah. And, but anyway, you've lost a lot of weight since then, but I want to get into, we might talk about that later. Some of the people that, you, you know, the, 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 the star seed nation, I want to talk about the star seed nation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, what have you been your um, experience, you know, working with their energies? Like some, 
so there's the Andromedans, the Arcturians, Palladians, Orion, Sirius. Do you want to go through some of the people that you're sort of? Oh yeah, working absolutely. Um, yeah, I think we can do that. Um, so, uh, as far as um, energetically speaking, I guess uh, Lyrans. Um, I, I, I get a lot of star seeds that have Lyra or Vega roots. Okay, um, it's almost like it's kind of like the funnel where all the other star races came out of, you know? Right. So, I mean, unless somebody is like an um, Andromeda galaxy soul or an Arcturian soul, you know, that's, you know, those are different, you know, soul family groups. Um, much of those people um, carry a lot of trauma in their, in their DNA. Cause they right. went, you know, cause Lyra was destroyed by Draco millions of years ago. Okay. And it was a, it was a horrific ambush. It was just like, they just slaughtered 50 million larynx. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of times in working with um, Lyran souls in particular, um, even some Vega souls, uh, um, they're dealing with a lot of trauma and it, and it mana can manifest physically. So um so I, I see a lot of autoimmune conditions in star seeds that have had Lyra, you know, Lyra lives, particularly those where they either got killed or they were tortured or they were a you know, slave or, you know, so something, something really traumatic happened to them during the wars. And so the conditions I see a lot of the times with Lyrans is, um, is usually chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, MS, uh, Lyme disease, Hashimoto's. I mean, it's just a plethora of, of autoimmune conditions, even rheumatoid arthritis, you see that. Um, and a lot of times I'm having to tell my clients, you know, you're gonna have to do a past life regression and really look at, in order for you to heal physically, you're gonna have to do a clearing of of your old trauma signatures from Lyra, because otherwise, every time you go under stress, it's gonna activate an old trauma signature in your DNA, okay? Um, Lyrans are also tend to be, I think, very open-hearted people. They are sometimes can be a little naive um, when it comes to, um, I think, uh, with relationships in particular. Um, uh, they are usually very gifted, um, with, uh, light language. Um, they're super gifted, um, with, uh, with, you know, working with plant medicine. Um, so they do have a, a plethora of gifts. I mean, you know, these are very, you know, high level star seats, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I guess, I don't know if this is answering your question, but that's kind of what. I'm, I'm asking I'm asking about what you're saying and what I'm receiving is that to a soul or a consciousness that is the extension of source that knows no trauma and yeah 
you know, when we insert ourselves into the illusion, as the Arcturians called it, because the illusion yeah. is not just this world, but every other world is an illusion because yeah, the reality is that pure positive energy is the only true right. reality. All the rest is made up so we can experience density. So when right. we insert ourselves into a, an illusion that is like the Lyran story and the Dracos and the wars and the explosion. and the, So if there is unfinished karma, for a better word, unfinished exploration of density in that realm there will right. be a continuation of that exploration in this realm so oh, absolutely yeah, that's so, why you see yeah. when you do akashic readings you see so many patterns in people's lives repeating itself repeating themselves yeah 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 pleiadians um tend to um struggle with their light and dark aspects um so you have Pleiadians, uh, and a lot of Pleiadian starseeds are all love and light, love and light, love and light, but they're afraid to do the shadow work sometimes. I think right. because in the Pleiades, uh, the Pleiadians were trying to, I think, reinvent themselves after the Lyran Wars. So th right. they're descendants of Lyrans, okay? So okay. Lyran refugees. So they were trying to reinvent themselves. So they didn't want to focus on anything negative from the past. So um, so they had almost this like this Pollyanna-ish attitude about, oh, we can only focus on the positive. But I think what that created was kind of a division between the light aspects of themselves and the dark aspects. So you see like sometimes you hear of these Pleiadians that have gone rogue, you know, that mm -hmm just totally go on the dark side, okay? Um, uh, because of that, um, Pleiadians um, have to really integrate their shadow selves. And uh, I see this a lot with Pleiadian star seeds. And, uh, and it's not something that they are ex especially excited to do because it's not <laughs> fun traveling into the yeah. shadow aspects of yourself, but yeah. it's almost like necessary for them. So they, they can become well integrated. So then they're not attracted to all the narcissists, you know? So it's yeah. like, instead of experiencing it in their external world, they're able to integrate that darkness within themselves. So they don't have to experience a bad relationship in order to have, um, to feel well integrated or, right. or to have that aspect face, well, facing them, yeah. When we're not dealing with the distortion within our being, we completely attract it within another. Oh, absolutely, oh yeah. And so that's yeah. a reflection. So this is like humans, you know, we're so good at judging others and saying, you're an idiot, you're a dickhead, you do that. But it's all a reflection of what lives in us. And when we oh, deal yeah, with no, the shadow, as you say, then we- Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, the reality that we're in becomes like a mirror for a mirror. everything that we're doing and, exactly. you know, dealing within ourselves. And, uh, and so um, with Pleiadians, the, the biggest condition I see with them that pops up sometimes is diabetes. Um, right. It's like they lose the, the joy or the sweetness of life. Sweetness so, of life. Yeah. so then they try to, you know, they, they overcompensate by creating like this, you know, condition of diabetes and, right. uh, you know, um, and, you know, my, my sister suffers from diabetes. Um, I don't know if she's a Pleiadian starseed or not, but, um, but I'm very familiar with diabetes and uh, I, I was pre-diabetic myself. Um, yeah. Hallelujah, I'm not anymore. So, um, but- Well, 60 pounds, darling, that's huge. Yeah, yeah no, because, it's, it's, 
you're looking for sweetness in the food in the comfort of eating and food in, in, yeah, exactly. in, in, in sweet things instead of seeing the sweetness in the self and yeah, feeling the sweetness the in sweet. your environment yeah, or in yeah. your reality. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, That's so, yeah, so, so that is a, so I do see that with Pleiadians, um, Syrians, um, these are very, um, grounded people. Usually, um, they're more grounded than the Pleiadians and Lyrans and, and Vega people, but, Syrians suffer from the martyr, or what I call the Syrian syndrome, yeah. uh -huh. Uh -huh. where they want to save everybody. They want they want they go above and beyond to help everybody else, and they put themselves last. Okay, um, and sometimes they just become exhausted, you know, because they're doing so much for other people, they forget to take care of themselves, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I think Arcturus Ra, who is, you know, um, he's a YouTube personality. I think some some of your listeners will know who he is. Um, yeah, his last name's Swain. <laughs> Swain, yeah, exactly. And yeah, same mine. as yours. I yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what were you going to say about him? You think he's serious? Um, yeah, he, uh, we were, he was on my radio show because I was interviewing him. And he was talking about the Syrian syndrome. And I said, well, what's the Syrian syndrome? You got to tell me about it. Uh -huh. And he says, oh, it's when Syrians, they just want to take care of everybody. You know, yeah. they're... And they become like martyrs to their cause, you know? And, uh, and I think a lot of that looking historically back on Syrians is because when Syrians first got involved with planet earth, they made a lot of mistakes. You know, they, they, they in a way, some of the mistakes, some of the things that are happening now is because the Syrians got involved and maybe, you know, did some genetic modifications that wasn't for the best interest of humans, earth humans. And so now it's kind of like they're here and they want to compensate or make restitution for the mistakes that were made in the past. So they kind of go above and beyond. And, they're, and these are people that are service to self-oriented anyway. So a lot of Syrian starseeds go into nursing or they become doctors or they go into service industries because they want to be of service. Mm, okay. mm, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, it's, um, it's interesting when I asked you about what you did before, because as you said, you thought you were just this normal little human, had no idea of your galactic connection. Yeah, I know. Boy, but you, I know. you were still in a service industry, you know, you were still yeah. serving. So there's the soul is still speaking through you, even though we have this amnesia. Yeah, it's so yeah, interesting. And I think I told this story before. I, I'm not going to go really deep into it, but even before I had my ET contact experience, um, I was part of an animal assisted therapy team and I was volunteering um, at the nursing homes, the libraries, the hospitals, the military. So we were doing all this volunteer work for six mm -hmm. years. Um, mm -hmm. So I was already being of service, you know, um, mm -hmm. just through my volunteer work. And so I think in, in the volunteer work in a way, it was like almost like my higher consciousness was telling me, um, you have to do this to prepare for your ultimate mission, you know, right. so, mm -hmm. um, so it was like, you know, the right um, cat came into my life. So my therapy animal is actually a cat named Piglet, really adorable little hairless cat. Um, <laughs> um, and she was, she was super intelligent. I think she was one of, one of only four cats in the state of Colorado that was an actual registered therapy animal. Um, cute. Yeah. yeah. So she was really, really, um, I, I don't know, just super intelligent, just able to kind of comprehend what was happening. Um, 
And um, we had we to should, go through training for that. So it's not like Lyra, 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 what, um, you know, her soul. No, actually, actually, I was told she was from the Pleiades. So okay. I think she, yeah, she was from the Pleiades. So yeah. she was actually um, an incarnation of a Pleiadian High Council member that chose to work with me. So as a cat. Isn't that cool? As a cat, yeah. yeah. So she didn't have to have a long contract on Earth, you know. So, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. Uh, yeah, Piglet eventually passed. Um, that was a very sad day in my life because she was my 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 biggest and best teacher, you know. Yeah. Um, and your buddy. Uh, you know, but uh, um, so she passed in November of 2017. So mm -hmm. that was um, that was hard, but um, uh, but but yeah. So so I do think we do end up, you know, I think it's like almost like our higher guidance or our, our subconscious self directs us to do the right activities to prepare ourselves for our missions. Absolutely. So, so a lot of times I tell my clients, you know, that they're having readings with me, I said, you know, well, you're going to be guided to do what's going to be best, you know, so it's not like you have to figure it all out on your own, you know, right. um, you know, if you get an, if you get an impression like, oh, I should take this course or I should travel here or I should do this, go ahead and just do it. You know, it, it's going to lead you down your ultimate path of, of being of service, you yeah. know, and, and helping out this planet. Absolutely. You know, uh, the question I want to pose is once people understand their galactic history, how does it help them as humans you know what do you do with that information okay so i come from this star seed and i used to be this and there and blah, blah, blah. like how does it help you as a human um sort of continue your human life oh i think it helps a lot mm -hmm. um i think uh what i see over and over again is once somebody has an understanding of oh they're arcturian or mm -hmm. oh they're from pleiades or oh they're from orion um uh they start having a, an understanding of what their particular traits are. Okay. So, so what are their traits and what are their weaknesses? Okay. Um, and then they are able to use that for their advantage. Okay. So, so they can say, they can start integrating that information. Um, and then it also, I think, enables them to have a connection, you know, like, oh, my star family is from the Pleiades, you know, so I'm going to connect with with the Pleiades and, you know, and I'm going to connect with my guides, you know, um, uh, I think it helps on so many different levels to where it's not only just knowing where they're from, but also knowing what they did and who they were. Mm. And it's like, almost like something activates and they says, Oh yeah, that's right. I did. I do use, I do used to do that. Or I do have these gifts mm -hmm. or I do, um, or this is my personality trait, or even this is my, you know, my old karma that I need to work out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, old, old, um, soul programs or issues or attachments that I need to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, so it can have a profound effect on, on somebody. So it's not just like, oh, it's, you know, you're just knowing about your past life and, oh, that's kind of nice, but it doesn't really relate to me now. I think mm -hmm. it, directly well, relate yeah it's interesting that we call them past life because as you know debbie all time you know there is no linear time in other realms so oh it's yeah, all, of course. yeah it's all happening simultaneously so there is an aspect of you that is living your life as a palladian or an arcturian or you know you, like oh, yeah, i was absolutely. saying that you're up on the ship having an uh, an arcturian Another experience, experience yeah yeah and and that 
I think that's when you find out that you just open the communication lines between receiving guidance from that other aspect of you, whether mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we talked about in the last show and, and in my yeah. sanctum, you can speak to your past self in this life, the little child. Yeah. You can also speak to your future self in this life and you can speak to yourself living on another planet or you can speak to yourself in spirit or, you know, there's oh, so absolutely. many aspects of that. We can open the lines of communication and receive guidance. It's so beautiful. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, kind of what I see too is like, you know, a lot of times I, I kind of do an Akashic reading in a linear fashion because that's yeah, kind of what makes that's sense the way we for, do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, for my clients, but you know, because we do live in a linear reality, but a lot of times it's kind of difficult to explain that, you know, this, you know, you had past lives on earth, but they're actually simultaneous to this life. So exactly. there is really no timeline. So you could be having, you know, a lifetime during the middle ages in, you know, you know, medieval Europe, and also having a lifetime in uh, the Middle East at the same time, you know, so, uh, so, it, 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 so we can get into concepts of parallel lives, and you know, all that that gets, you know, really kind of complicated, but, yeah. uh, but, um, and then people often, um, some, a few people not, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's very common, but a few people are also having walk-in experiences, yeah. you know, where, you know, they're, um, they're a new soul that have chosen to walk into a, you know, um, like an existing earth body mm -hmm. and, but they're, they're there for a different mission, you know? So they're, it's like a contract that they had with the prior soul that the prior soul will get to leave and the new soul will walk in. So then it's like, they have like this whole new, um, frame of reference all, all new memories all new everything mm -hmm. um and it's kind of like oh I, I i i'm living this reality where i'm living this existing life but now i have to familiarize myself with all the components of the existing life and the people that are in that life so it's really interesting being a walk-in yeah do you feel when you had your experience uh, that there was another aspect of yourself that walked into this. You, the oh, human. absolutely. Yeah. 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 I have a friend like that too, who she tried to kill herself and then woke up in hospital and she's like, I've got to go live in Byron Bay, which is kind of like the Sedona of Australia, you know, where all the yeah. and galactic people are. And then she was a completely different person. And uh, we were having lunch one day and I'm like, oh my God, you totally had a walk-in experience, but it's not like another soul walked in. It was a part of her soul, but it was another aspect of her that walked into this human life. And she Yeah, I kind of felt like it was like there was the asleep me and then there was the <laughs> really awakened me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, it, it, even when I look back on my life before 2012, I was like, you know, I look back and I think, wow, that almost seemed like a different person. And even my, my husband says that I changed, you know, yeah. like my personality changed, um, many different aspects of me changed after, you know, I had my ET contact experience. Right. Uh, so, so how does he like the new you, darling? Oh, he loves, he loves the new me. Yeah, he, <laughs> he likes the new me a lot better than the old me. I mean, I think he still loved the old me, but I think, uh, he definitely likes likes to knew me a lot better. Well, um, as I hear your story, I hear so much about the sacred arrangement, you know, the galactic arrangement between the two of you. You've obviously given him a reading 
Oh, have you? Um, I, I've never given him a, an Akashic reading. Oh. He's afraid to have an Akashic reading. Oh. Um, he, he did have an Akashic clearing with me, um, which uh, he did agree to do that. I don't know why he agreed to it because there wasn't a whole lot to clear with him, but um, um, except that, you know, I think the message that came across was he needed to be more of service to others, not to himself. Right. Know, so, right. You know, because men tend have a tendency to be self-centric at times. But um, <laughs> I hate to say that, but that's kind of true sometimes. But yeah, um, well, I guess that I guess you could say that's a human trait. We we can't. It's really, a human trait. We can't yeah, give I it think, all to the men. <laughs> there is a majority yeah, of the men that I think I was pretty trait. self-centric too before. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Until you know, two thousand and nine, when I decided to do the animal assisted therapy. But uh-huh. um, but yeah. It, um, yeah, I kind of feel like there was a, a contract between him and I because oh, it was kind of, yeah because uh, you know he definitely awakened me first because otherwise did. yeah have you not and explored then, that contract you haven't gone in there and had a look for yourself oh yeah no I understand it it was yeah. um, um, he's from Lyra and Sirius and he's right. had also lives in the Pleiades so um, yeah he he understands. Um, I, I I think we've been doing this kind of work together for a long time yeah uh, yeah so yeah yeah we definitely explored it um we've had past lives together here on earth too so yeah, um, yeah. yeah i did a qhht uh session once and i was like holy cow like oh he was in lemuria with me he was in ancient greece with me he's like oh okay so oh uh, i see you've got another cat look at this yeah, little little kitty. so this this one isn't piglet this is this is raisin oh look. So piglet passed so this is raisin God. so she came to visit us so um so so raisin's gonna hang out with us i guess um i didn't sh- i didn't shut the door hard enough i guess but uh, so she just turned up one day oh my god look at her she's so beautiful yeah she, she just turned up one day did she um actually when piglet passed um i wasn't going to get another cat and then oh um and then I got the opportunity to foster Raisin and she became a foster fail. So, um, so we decided to keep her. So, um, but she came like really soon after uh, Piglet passed. So I kind of have a feeling Piglet kind of sent her our way. Just to... Is she Piglet? Yeah. So, so she's a... Uh... Do you think that her and Piglet are the same soul? No, not at all. Not different at all. personalities. Different, yeah. Different yeah. Very bit different personalities. Uh, this one is more the Lyran cat. So she's more okay. uh, connected with Lyra. Um, she has so much of face. It's so Egyptian, I think. It just... Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, so Egyptian. Yeah. yeah so... Um, so let, let's hang out, uh, Raisin. Let's hang out. It's let's... so funny because my cat's usually crawling all over me, but she's not around at the moment. But she turned up four weeks after my other cat left her body. Uh, this little kitten turns up in my garden and I'm not even on the street. You know, I'm like, I've got garages underneath me. So turns out it was the next door neighbours who basically gave me the cat's you know, a couple yeah, of years later. Yeah, so they yeah. come, they come to you, don't you, don't they? Yeah, no, they do know when to come. And, yeah, the uh, sacred you know, contract or the sacred arrangement that they have. Yeah, exactly. Them. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, you know, I think Piglet was the teacher and uh, Raisin, she kind of just brings joy into our lives. You know, she's, she's more of the comedian. So she's always doing something funny and, and crazy. So um so she brings joy into our lives and, uh, you know, we, my, my husband loves her too. So, you know, so we both, um, 
have that little ex extra joy that I think we all need in today's world. So yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. All yeah. right. We've been yakking for ages, but um, what do I want? What do you want to leave people with? What's the most exciting part of the work that you're doing now that you want to talk about? Oh yeah. yeah. I'd love to kind of share. Um, I, I'm going to be doing some new offerings. So later this month, if you're subscribed to my website, um, I will be announcing, I'm going to be doing a Zoom, Zoom webinar that, that you can join in on. It'll be on the probably February 27th. That's the date we picked. So, uh, so I'll be offering that soon. So if you haven't already, if you want to go on my website, it's debbiesolaris.com. Yeah. So it's D-E-B-B-I-E-S-O-L-A-R-I-S.com. You know, you'll be able to join the website. And I'm, I'm going to be sending out a newsletter announcing the course. There'll be other courses in the future. I'm going to be expanding the galactic history section of my website. And I also have a YouTube channel. So if you go on YouTube, just do a search on Debbie Solaris. And it's mainly um, prior readings that I did for other clients that we converted to video. And it'll give you a really good idea, not just of what a reading with me is like and what, how deep we go into a lot of, it, it really gets very detailed, but also you'll get a sense of galactic history and, and, you know, different traits of these different star systems. Mm. So, um, so when you first started doing readings for people, were you worried that you were just sort of making up stuff? That's what I get a lot with my clients. They, they, um, I've got a client at the moment who's just getting amazing information in her meditations, but she always says, am I just making this stuff up? <laughs> you know, like, did, did you worry about that? Yeah, when I, I think that I went through that a little bit at first, but the information seemed to resonate so much with my clients that exactly. I knew it wasn't just made up. I mean, right. and, uh, and even with the downloads I was receiving about galactic history, you know, I knew that, that there was some truth to it because I kept seeing that information everywhere. You know, it was right. like, you know, as I was doing my own research, I was running across, you know, Alex Collier saying the same thing, you know, right. uh, you know, Alyssa Royale Holt was saying the same things, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, Barbara Hand Clow, you know, mm -hmm. Barbara Marciniak, they were all kind of saying, you know, similar things that I was seeing. So I felt like, well, this information must be correct, you know, exactly. and because we're That's all, what, I think, you know, receiving it. It's absolutely. just that we receive it in our own way, obviously. But um, That's what Susie Hansen said when she was on the ships and she saw a, a, a grey that looked like he was really old and greys don't normally look old, but he looked sort of wrinkly. Anyway, I think that, anyway, maybe it was a hybrid. Oh, I forget the stories. But she spoke yeah. to someone on a ship and said, what's the most important thing you can tell me? And he said, corroboration you know, corroborate your stories. And it's so interesting when you speak about what your experience on the ship, it is so similar to other um, experiences. Oh, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Um, yeah. I'm glad that other people are having experiences as well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's going to become more and more common. I think yeah. as you know, the consciousness rises, um, you know, as we, as we speak, uh, yeah, absolutely. That more and more people are going to have their own experiences. And uh, I would say about at least 50 to 60% of my clients have had their own ET contact experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it, it is very common, you know, I think it's, 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 it's a contract that, you know, when the time is right, you're going to be activated. And so when do you see us having a more open uh, mainstream 
idea of that we're not alone in the universe because obviously we're all chatting about it we understand but the majority yeah. of the collective are still like oh totally that, yeah yeah so when do you see us disclosure people would call it like when there's this mainstream did they did the Ecturians give you any sort of time frame or timeline on that um they didn't but um uh, I've been accessing the records asking that question and right. Uh, my understanding is we're going to be in for a bumpy ride for the next few years, yeah. but, um, but it's going to create a lot of awakening amongst right. the masses exactly. and that probably by the end of this decade or early next decade, we're going to have our first actual extraterrestrial contact experience where yeah. they're going to, I mean, you're going to see a ship, it's going to land on earth, there's going to be ETs coming out of it. And they're probably going to be humanoid, I, I'm thinking, um, uh, either um, Alpha Centaurian or maybe Venusians. Um, Venusians have been on our planet before. Mm. Alpha Centaurians have been on our planet before. So um, yeah. they're the closest located to us. So, um, so I think it's going to be those groups first. And then we're going to see the Pleiadians, Assyrians, and, you know, everybody else, you know. Yeah. So rejoin the galactic family yeah, you know with many of the people i've spoken to there are so many star nation people living lives as humans but not just incarnated into a human body i think garnet talked about they have the technology holographic technology that they can just switch the energy and appear human yeah and they're not actually inside a human body but from our standpoint we're thinking we're speaking to a human because that's what we're yeah yeah and it definitely can be yeah. that type of arrangement too but yeah uh, so there's all that disclosure to happen as well oh yeah no it's i think we're just on the precipice of yeah. a lot of information a lot of technologies and everything else that's going to be coming down to us and uh and you know we'll go from there but um anything else uh, yeah exciting times ahead dying and as you say yeah my guides have said the same thing the next few years is going to be a bumpy ride but the bumpy ride is exactly to wake people up because we don't yeah. actually awaken like just like you said you had surgery uh and you were experiencing some physical pain and um yeah that was a part of your awakening we don't normally awaken not all of us but we don't most of us don't normally awaken until we experience some sort of contrast and we we like yeah. you we send out desires like tell me what's it all about what's my life all about and then they go you really want to know let me tell you <laughs> yeah and it's like uh because then be be uh, be prepared because your life is not going to be the same afterwards absolutely so, uh, absolutely yeah. oh it's been such a joy and a pleasure thank you so much for being on the thank show you. Uh, thank you for having me and uh thank you for allowing me to share my story and for your patience with the tech tech issues we're having earlier because it's always it's always a joy to deal with that, but we, we got through it and it, and it's it turned out to be a beautiful show. So thank you. Wow. What a fascinating conversation with Debbie. I loved that. I could quiz her. I could have quizzed her for another two hours. Anyway, she's going to come back on the show and she's also going to come in as a guest teacher in our inner sanctum towards mid to late year. I'm going to book her in for a teacher uh, to come in to speak to our little tribe so we can quiz her some more. Uh, and she's got, um, uh, a webinar coming up I think she talked about it but you'll see all that on her website or on her Facebook page uh, she said too that if you're looking for a, a session from her for a reading an Akashic record reading a galactic Akashic record reading that she's actually uh, had her calendar closed because she's just was overwhelmed with readings and 
she's opened up she's opening up the calendar and booking may june july at the moment for reading so that you know it's a few months in advance um but unlike most healers and stuff it's not life or death it's just uh fascinating information to know our galactic um i won't even call them origins but galactic adventures i asked my guides you know if i had lives on other planets and they laughed <laughs> They laughed at me and they said, oh, my God, Karen, you think that your curious mind is any less curious as a spirit or a soul? They said, you have explored all areas of the cosmos. And I said, oh, OK. So I kind of like I've been everywhere, a bit like a world traveler who goes to all sorts of countries and explores all sorts of, um, you know, ideas and nationalities and societies. They said uh, I had been doing the same. But they said that the work, when I asked my guides, my mob, they said, I work with the Arcturians. The Arcturians very much are working with our consciousness here on earth, shifting our mindsets. And, um, and uh, a bit like Debbie work in the Palladians, I work with the Palladians, the shadow work, looking at what blocks you to being more connected to yourself as a pure positive light energy being, what blocks you from connecting to your inner wisdom and inner guidance. And the distortions you're carrying on your DNA, either from the lineage of your family DNA or distortion, you can come in with distortion, just like Debbie said, uh, carrying through some karma or distortion from other lifetimes on other planets. Like she said, the Lyrans going through annihilation. And um, yeah, so we're just all working with energy, aren't we? We're just all molding energy and working with energy. So um there's many forms of consciousness out there that have moved beyond the human consciousness, the human mind and ego, and they're willing and able and accessible to help us as we sojourn here on earth, uh, you know, dive through the qualities and the vibrations available on earth, which are not available in other experiences. But yes, fascinating Debbie I could chat to her all day about how it all dovetails I remember asking my guides if all our past lives and future lives are happening simultaneously simultaneously how does it all how does it all work together but the more I ask that question and they give me more and more information I think that they give me the information they drip feed it to me so that my linear conscious mind can digest it and integrate it and understand it if you get too much information all at once it kind of blows your mind and you go oh i don't understand i don't understand because we're working inside these human minds right that think in a linear fashion and we have limitations placed upon us so that we can experience this world as it is presented to us um so yeah as we awaken and open and awaken and open and have more and more understandings and see it all as simultaneous energy just molding and flowing and becomes clearer i have to say they give me a lot of visualization stuff which i haven't got a hope of putting into words to explain it because when you're seeing something it's like explaining a painting to a blind person all the different colors and nuances and yeah you can feel it you can see it you can experience it a bit like the holographic images that they were showing Debbie on the on the ships uh, on the ship you know you, you get these downloads of information and it's like you're flowing through the information as opposed to just a thought and words you know one thought after the other one word after the other beautiful stuff yes I think it's an exciting time to be alive don't you 
I hope you do. Even though we're experiencing a lot of contrast, a lot of dramas, a lot of resistance and pushback, judgment here on planet Earth and, and, and trauma as we experience, you know, people losing jobs and worrying about money and, and control dramas. We are on the precipice of something quite magical. And so it's not for naught. All that we experience 2020, 2021, all that we've experienced, all the contrasts we've experienced in our lives uh, is for good reason. And uh, it is all part of creating the creative process, the awakening process of creating a new experience for planet Earth. Uh, yeah. When I think about life on Earth, I think about the trudgery of just normal life, like even the exciting things like travel and eating good food and buying stuff and renovating houses and going to good restaurants and all that stuff that is like the main focus of the mainstream population. It doesn't excite me so much, but when I think about ETs coming to earth and showing us, you know, human technology or, or, or mental technology and, and, and uh, bringing their, consciousness to earth and exploring that that's when i get excited i think yeah let's stay on planet earth to see that happen to see the uh, galactic ambassadors of this world stewarding this world make their presence more known uh, they're making their presence known obviously through people like myself and debbie with that consciousness and that access to information and channeling but they're going to you know make their presence more known in so many ways it's very exciting i think excites me anyway hope you enjoyed that show i did and i can't wait to have debbie back and um, if you are a guy subscriber you can check out her show with uh george you don't really need to now that you've watched my show you've got it all you've got all she said on george's show but as she said she's on she's going to be on regina's show in a few months yeah the competition i don't really have a comp competitive bone in my body so um i'm happy for you know, the more of this information that gets out there, I'm happy to spread the love, spread the message of everybody's show. Oh, it says 12-12 here. All right, well, I'll go and have some breakfast and some lunch and do all that sort of stuff. And uh, if you want to be a part of the Inner Sanctum, sign up. I'm online teaching every week. You get to ask me questions. I don't sort of do too much readings or healings personal. That's what I do in my personal sessions. But I have to say, sometimes only two or three people turn up. And so it get, becomes very personal. And people get to have, you know, me, uh, you know, as I would be in a personal session. We work on the shadow parts of self and what's stopping you from feeling more uh, comfortable and alive and confident as someone who is a difference maker as someone who wants to speak their truth there's a lot of people that join the inner sanctum who are just your average everyday people with everyday jobs housewives and students and husbands and who are really into this information and they know it's a big part of their experience here on planet earth but they don't really know how to fit it into their normal human lives and they're quite scared to talk about it because their friends call them crazy. Um, even if they're not talking about ETs, they're just talking about spiritual principles. People kind of go, no, no, you can't talk to dead people or you can't, you know, there's no such thing as life after death, you know. But uh, I think that a, the whole point of, of being excited about this information and, and exploring it and, and, you know, like a lot of you that watch the shows, you watch show after show after show. The reason that you love it is that you're, a part of the ambassadors or the new world teachers here to spread this message 
And so how do you do that? How do you speak about it in a way to your mainstream friends that it's, it's digestible, you can open up their understanding. And just like Debbie and I said, a lot of people are going to are awakening now because of the contrast we're experiencing here on earth and helping those people come into some sort of where they fit their new understandings into their daily lives. So we're all helping each other. I'm the teacher of the teachers and the healer of the healers. And then you go out and help others and they become, then they become the teacher of the teachers. And that's how we evolve our world. We all help each other. You know, feel not afraid to speak about this stuff and to share the, share the message. Yeah, so join the Inner Sanctum if you feel like that's uh, something that you want to do. Obviously, you get to quiz me each week and I have a guest teacher once or twice a month and you get to quiz them as well. And remember to buy the book, Awakened by Death, working on the second one, even it's been shelved for the last two years. Uh, I haven't got the name for it yet. I think I'm, I might call it Woo Awakenings. <laughs> I was going to call it Spiritual Awakenings. And I thought I would reclaim that word woo-woo. You know how people call us woo-woo and they think it's a derogatory term. I thought maybe we reclaim that word and call it woo-woo awakenings and be proud of our woo-woo. Own your woo-woo. Anyway, I'm still thinking about the title. Maybe you've got some suggestions, but it's something along that line. It's exciting. More to come. Big love to you all. Speak to you soon. Bye for now.